0: Today, we are continuing a series of messages that we kicked off two weeks ago. It's called Rhythms, Find Rest for Your Soul. We're talking about the patterns and the rhythms that Jesus lived out and that he taught in his ministry and how if we apply these things to our lives, we too might be able to live from a place of restfulness instead of adopting the restlessness that we see in the world around us. Today is the final day in our series. Um, we've, we have the first two weeks posted on uh, our website at praxischurch.us slash rhythms. You can find those messages. You can also find discussion guides that go with each one of those messages. And there's also a list of recommended books that we've placed on there as well. Um, if you want to dive a little bit deeper, um, but we just scratched the surface on this topic. But today we're talking about the topic of work. You know, and here in America, uh, we, we pride ourselves in working hard, right? I was reading a study recently that said that on average, we in America work 137 more hours a year than people in Japan. On average, we work 260 more hours every year than people in Great Britain. And on average, we work a staggering 499 more hours every single year than the average worker in France, right? So we pride ourselves on working hard, right? As Americans, that's a, a point of pride for us. And you know what? Working hard is an incredible value. It's a great value. Work is important. Uh, work is, work is, 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 is really important, right? And the value of working hard, we should. Uh, but work can become an idol. Right. Productivity can become an idol if we're not careful. It can be the thing that dominates our life. Um, In fact, during this season that we're currently in, this this season where we're staying at home, um, that pressure can get even ramped up even higher. Um, The first week that we were in the stay at home orders, I was scrolling Twitter one day and I saw somebody that I respect. And um, one of of my desires is to I want to write a book someday. I feel like that's something that God's maybe even called me to do. And as I was scrolling Twitter that day, I saw somebody that I respect that said, if you don't write a book during this season, it's because it's not important to you, right? You should, you should, you should buckle down and you should write that book during this season because you're going to have so much extra time on your hands. And I'm looking at my schedule. I'm looking at my family and the pace of things. And I'm like, I don't have extra time on my hands. And I started to feel really bad about that. And then I've also seen people say, like, if you don't get in the best shape of your life during this season, it's because you're weak and you don't care. Right. And we can get all this extra pressure during this season. Right. We can work and we can this desire to be productive. Um, can become, it can become almost an idol in our lives, right? We're going to maximize every, every moment. We're going to hustle, right? This value of hustle um, is a cultural value that we see. And there's some good things in it, right? We should work hard, but it should not be the only thing. It should not be the thing that defines us. The reality is, is that our work, the work that we do um, as good as that work is, as important as that work is, that work can create some real stress in our lives. I believe that it can it creates stress in our lives for, for two main reasons. And the, the first is it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? The first reason that work can create stress in our lives is because it's our work that provides the resources that we need. It's the provision for us and for those who depend on us. Right, maybe our kids or or a an elderly parent or whoever's depending on us, right? It's it's how we it's how we provide for ourselves and those who depend on us. And you know what? That's a that's a good thing, right? We need to take care of those things, but that can be a heavy burden, that can be a heavy weight, and that can create stress. I remind us uh, that, that work though is super important, and, and the apostle Paul, he was writing to a church in the city of Ephesus, and he reminded that church, he said to them, he said to them these words, and I think they're so true. He says, for we are his workmanship, talking about God, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them, right? He's reminding that church, and he would remind us here today that God created us to do good work. God created us to make a difference. God created each one of us with a purpose and with a plan. And he desires us uh, to to do some good things, to make a difference, to do good work, to work hard um, at accomplishing some things. Like that's a desire that God has for us. He wants us uh, to do that. In fact, I think sometimes we can get so busy doing things that we don't have the space, we don't have the bandwidth to pause and to hear God's voice or to sense his prompting to even know what those good works are. You know, I'm fearful sometimes that we do work, but we're not doing, we don't know what those good works that God has for us are. And so we just do stuff, but are we doing the right things? God desires for us to do good work. Work is really Important. In fact, when God is giving the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, we read about it in the book of Exodus, which records uh, them receiving the, the, the Ten Commandments as they're leaving slavery um, in, in, in Egypt. And God gives them these Ten Commandments, and as he's explaining the commandment regarding the Sabbath, regarding rest, he reminds the people, he says, you have six days each week for ordinary work. But on the seventh day, you must stop working, even during seasons of plowing and harvest. And God's reminding the, the children of Israel there, he's reminding you have six days to work. You should work hard, right? Laziness is not godliness, right? We have six days and we should use those days. We should work hard. We should provide for ourselves, for those around us. We should work hard so that we have a little bit extra to be generous with, right? We should work hard. We should do those things, right? We should work to provide ourselves. But, but even though we work to provide for ourselves, rest is incredible because rest reminds us that even though we work to provide for ourselves, that it's ultimately God who provides for us. Jesus is talking about this one time with his disciples, and he sees a a flock of birds, and he uses them as an illustration. He says to to his disciples, and Matthew records it in chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus tells the disciples, he says, look at the birds of the air. Uh, They don't sow, nor do they gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, he asks them this question, he says, are you not worth much more than they? And he's making the point to the disciples. He says, you know what, those birds, they don't work hard, but they're taken care of, right? And he reminds, he's reminding the disciples, you know, what? working hard is important, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's God who provides for you. It's God who takes care of you. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, the writer there uh, says something that is so incredibly true. He says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Right? So we work hard, uh, we use what we have to produce wealth, but, but the writer there is reminding us of something that we need to be reminded of, that the gifts and talents and abilities, the things that we use, our intellect, um, are all of the things that we've been given, where did those come from? Right. Even the breath and the health that we have, uh, where did that come from? Well, they're gifts from God. Right. So even though we're working hard, we have to admit we work hard, but it was God who provided the materials. It was God who provided the raw materials. It was God who gave us the things um, that allow us to produce. It's God who gives us the ability to get that wealth. Right. And, and we, we have to admit that, you know what? God can open doors that we can't open even with all of our effort. In fact, a lot of us, we have, that's true of our story, right? We look back at our story and you know what? I, I got into that school that I never should have got into, or I landed that job that I wasn't qualified, but for some reason they gave me a shot, right? I believe God opens doors for us that we could never open for ourselves. It's God who can give increase that we could never earn, Right. And rest reminds us of those things. So we can get stressed because of the the need to provide, but we can also get stressed by our work because because we can find our identity in it. Right. We can let our work define us. It can become not just something that we do, but it can become who we are. If we're not careful, we can base our self-worth on what kind of job we have and how well we're doing it. In fact, you can see this play out at parties all the time, right? People find out what somebody's name is, and usually the next question is, what do you do, right? And so often that question is being asked um, for the information, but also there's a there's an assessing um, of the other person. We're sizing other people up, you know? How important are they? Are they more important than me? Are they less important than me? And so often there's a sizing up that takes a place when that question is asked. If you wanna have a lot of fun um, at the next party that you're at where somebody asks that, tell them you're a pastor. It's so funny when I answer that question for people, uh, they say, hey, what do you do? Uh, The the response when I say, oh, I'm a pastor, uh, a lot of times they stop cursing, uh, they, they, (laughs) they look for the quickest out of the conversation, right? Here's the thing though, if we pour our heart and soul into our work, And we should, right? If we're doing good work, especially if we're doing something that we're called to do, that we've been equipped to do, we pour our heart and our soul into it, and that's a good thing, but it can be very hard for us to not find our identity there. And rest, rest. when we rest the way that God intends us to rest, it invites us to remember that our identity is ultimately in God. My identity isn't in what I do. My identity is in whose I am. My identity is in who created me and who redeemed me. My identity is in being a child of God. You are a child of God. That's where we should find our identity. You know, I'm so proud of my two older daughters right now. Both of them are learning to ride their bikes and they're getting close to riding their bikes without training wheels. And it's so exciting to see them progress and to see how hard they're working and see when they fall down and they get up again. It's, it's really encouraging. It's really exciting. I feel so proud of them. And I'm really looking forward to the day that they're able to ride without those training wheels. But here's the thing, as their father, if they never learn to ride their bike without their training wheels, you know what? I don't love them any less. I still love them the same. I, I love them not because of what they do, but I love them because they are my children. They're my daughters, they're my princesses. I love them, I care for them. God feels the same way about you. He doesn't love you because of what you do and what you accomplish. He cares for you. He loves you because of who you are. He created you in his image, and his son, Jesus, gave his life for you. God loves you because of who you are, not because of what you do. And so he invites you to rest in that reality. Right. So work can really stress us for those two reasons. So if we're going to embrace this rest that we need, how are we going to do it? Well, I think there's four steps. There's four things that we have to do if we're going to embrace the rest, the rhythm and the pattern of restfulness in our lives that God desires us to have. And the first thing that I think that we have to do is we have to stop. Right. That maybe sounds obvious, but we're actually going to have to stop working if we're going to rest. Right. We can't rest and work at the same time. We're have to, actually going to have to stop. We have to make some time daily. Right. This is the end of the workday. I'm going to stop. There's always more to do. There's always another thing that could be done. There's always another email that could be sent. There's always another call to make. There's always. But I'm going to stop. Right. And uh, and I would just encourage us. Right. We want to do that daily. We want to do that weekly. But I would encourage you to start somewhere. Right. Maybe it's part of the day. Uh, maybe you can't do a whole day, all day long. But remember, remember, this is not about fulfilling a law. It's about receiving a gift. So maybe you start somewhere and you start stopping. You set aside some time where I'm not going to work. I'm going to pause. I'm going to stop my work. There's always more to do, uh, but we can we can put that barrier in place and say, you know what? I'm going to stop and I'm gonna, going, to, going to, to pause my work at this moment. In fact, I noticed, maybe you've noticed this too, that when I'm disciplined at stopping, that I tend to be more productive during the times that I am working, right? I tend to focus better. I tend to prioritize the right things. In fact, I was recently reading this story about um, this caravan um, in in 1840, this this, uh, caravan that was traveling from St. Louis to Oregon, right? They were traveling the Oregon Trail. That was a fantastic video game when I was a kid on the old on the old Mac computers in the in the school library. Um, but they, they were traveling on the real Oregon Trail and they were traveling in the fall and they were wanting to make it there um, to, to, to their destination in Oregon before the winter hit. And it was a group of Christians and they had decided as they were leaving St. Louis that they were going to travel six days and that they were going to stop on the 7th. And as they continued and as the fall pressed on, they began to get worried that they might not make it before the winter hit, that they might get caught up in a snowstorm on the trail. And so there began to be this huge disagreement. And they began to debate about whether they should continue to travel only six days, or if they should start traveling seven days so that they could make it before winter hit. And so it ended up causing a division and they broke into two groups, one group that traveled seven days and one group that traveled only six days. And what was interesting is that at the end of the day, the group that arrived first was the group that traveled only six days. Their cattle were more rested. Their people were more rested. And so they were able to bake more. They were able to cover more ground each day because they were uh, resting on that one day. You know what? And it was a great reminder to me. It was a reminder of the reality that we can do more with a little bit in God's help than we ever could with all of the resources all on our own. And this is a theme that we see throughout scripture. In fact, the first week we talked about um, when Jesus Jesus invites us to yoke up alongside him. You see, God's desire is for us to not work all on our own, but he invites us to work alongside him, to allow him uh, to put his yoke upon us. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he walks alongside us and works alongside us in our life. So if we're going to if we're going to adopt this rhythm, this pattern of restfulness, we're going to have to stop. The second thing that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to actually rest. Right? And maybe that seems obvious, but I want to ask you what what brings rest to you? What rejuvenates you? What recreates you? What do you need to turn off and disengage from in order to actually rest? Remember, we're not trying to create a new kind of work. When Jesus showed up and was walking on the earth, uh, the religious leaders had created five hundred more rules about how to keep the Sabbath. Right? They had turned what was supposed to be rest into more work. And if we're not careful, we can turn we can do the same thing. We can create all sorts of laws, and I have to do this, and I can't do that. And that's not what this is about. What actually brings rest? To you. You see, when we stop and we rest, we respect the humanity in us and we respect the image of God in us. We're not non-stop human beings. In fact, I've heard somebody say that we are not that we are human beings, not human doings, right? We're not defined by the things that we do, but we can be and we can accept that gift of rest from God. So we have to stop, we have to rest, and then the third thing we have to do is we as we have the opportunity to delight. Right? God, after finishing his work, he created all of creation and then he paused, he rested, and he delighted. He said, It is very good. He delighted in his creation. And in in this rhythm that God offers to us, he invites us to delight and to enjoy. You know, there's so many things in the world around us that would tempt us to just survive our way through life, to just get through life, to just survive the next week or to survive the next quarter or to survive the next year, right? And we can just survive our way through life. We can get to new levels, but never enjoy uh, what we have. We can work hard to create a life, but then we don't enjoy the life that we created. And God offers us the gift of delighting in the life that we have, right? Sabbath rhythm invites us to to engage in the things that delight us. You know, so often we can be harsh taskmasters with ourselves and we never allow ourselves to enjoy the things that bring us delight, right? We have relationships, but we don't focus on them and don't enjoy them, right? We eat food because we need to to survive, but we don't go slowly enough to enjoy how it tastes, to enjoy the things that that bring us joy and bring us delight. Right. I, in in uh, 1646, there were a group of Christians who were trying to define what the Christian faith was so that it could be conveyed to other people. And they wrote something called the Westminster Catechism. In the very the very beginning of it, they asked the question, what's the purpose of man? What is humanity's purpose? And I love the answer that they gave because I think it's true. They say we were created to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, right? We're not just supposed to—we're not just supposed to 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 cope our way through life, to just survive life, but we're actually supposed to enjoy it. In fact, Jesus, when He's talking about His purpose, uh, John records it in John ten ten. Jesus says, I have come that you might have a life and that you might have it to its fullest. Jesus's purpose was that we would live a life of delight and of joy, one that, that would be life to its fullest. See, God is better at being God than I am, right? I can be a harsh taskmaster with myself, but God invites us to delight in the world around us. So if we're going to develop this rhythm and this pattern in our life, we're going to have to stop we rest, we delay, and then fourthly, we have the opportunity to contemplate. We have the opportunity to think. Man, having some time and space to think can be such a valuable thing, but honestly in the world around us it can be so difficult for us to achieve that. You know, they say that on average we we as Americans spend four hours on our phone, right? If we're honest, right, some of our face some of our some of our screen time reports um, uh, make that look mild, right? We spend four hours on average, though, looking at our phones. We spend another four hours a day on average watching TV, right? We spend eight hours between our phones and our TVs. We spend eight hours looking at the screens on top of whatever else we're doing in the day, right? It can be hard for us to find the, the time and the space to just pause and to think, to contemplate, but if we're going to embrace this, right, we have the opportunity to, to contemplate, to, to the, to, to think about God. In fact, I want to encourage you today. You are joining us here. You've made space in your day where you are thinking about God. You're thinking about the things that matter to God. You're thinking about how God's involved in your life. You're thinking about what he's doing. And that's so incredible and so important. You see, we can get going so fast that even those of us who are followers of Jesus, we can sometimes not even think about what's going on. We don't find the space to pause and to consider what God is doing. It can be really hard. The distractions are everywhere. And if we're not careful, we can only find, we sometimes only find time to think about God in those times of crisis, right? We can get going so busily through life that it's not until the crisis hits that we pause and we think about God. In fact, there's some of us right now that we have been going like crazy and this current season has gotten our attention and now we are thinking and we're contemplating and we're considering God again. And I want you to see that as as an incredible opportunity not to just jump back into the normal rhythm as soon as possible, but continue to make that time and space to consider what God's doing, to consider God's plan and his will for your life and for the world around you. God's desire is for us to live from that place of rest and security. He desires for us to live from that place. I don't know if about you, but but do you remember what snow days were like uh, as a kid. I don't know if you lived in a climate where there were snow days, but uh, I remember the joy of waking up uh, in the winter and seeing white powder on the ground and then turning on the TV and then finding out that school was closed for the day, right? It was a free day, right? There were no obligations, there were no pressures, there were no responsibilities, right? I thought I was gonna go to school, but now I have nothing that I have to do, right? It was permission to play, To be with friends, to take a nap, to read a good book. It was it was this incredible gift. I wanna encourage us that God is offering that kind of a gift to us, right? What he wants to offer us in the gift of this Sabbath rhythm is he's offering us like a weekly snow day, a time to say, you know what? I've worked six days, but now I don't have any obligations. Now I don't have, right? And that can seem so far-fetched, but that's the desire that God has for us. He wants us to live from that place of rest, from that place of restfulness instead of from the restlessness that we see all around us. God invites us to rest in the work that Jesus has done. You see, the work of being made right with God, it's complete in Jesus, right? There's no hoops to jump through. God's not looking for us to complete a number of tasks or to do all these things right or to get it all together. No, in Jesus, we're able to rest in what he's done. Jesus lived the sinless life. He gave his life on the cross. He conquered death and the grave for us, and he offers it to us as a gift. He says, you can enjoy this peace. You can live your life from this place of rest in what I have done for you. I want to ask you today, what kind of a God are you serving? Are you serving that God who invites you to live from a place of rest? Or are you serving a restless God who's constantly telling you to do more, be better, you're never enough, right? What kind of a God are you serving? You see, if we're serving the God that's revealed in Jesus, it's a God who invites us into rest, who invites us to live from a place of rest, who invites us to to work hard but to work hard from a place of knowing that I've been made right with God but you know what culturally or some of the some of us have been taught or some of us honestly it's our own thinking and how difficult we can be on ourselves we can subtly end up serving a god who is this who is this merciless taskmaster who requires more and more of us but that's not the god that we see in Jesus I want to invite you today, if you are not following Jesus, or maybe you somehow have gotten off course and you've begun following uh, this false God that would, that would require all those things of you, I want to invite you today to begin following Jesus again, or begin following Jesus for the first time, and allow Him to lead you into His rest to allow you to lead you from a place of rest, to develop these patterns in your life that would allow you to not just survive life, but to enjoy it until delighted. You can make that decision today. It's, it's not a difficult one. It's one that you can commit to. You can say, Jesus, I want you to be the leader in my life. In fact, I wanna pray for all of us right now. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that the gift of Jesus is the gift of knowing that we have been made right with you. I don't have to jump through hoops. I don't have to work to prove my worth to you. I can accept and I can receive that I am your child. And because you love me, because you care for me as your son or daughter, Lord, you you don't need me to do stuff to earn your love and to earn your respect. And so, Lord, we rest in you. Jesus, would you be the leader of our lives? Lord, would you lead me into your rest? And Lord, we thank you for these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. You know, today, if you've made a decision to begin following Jesus, to begin uh, allowing him to be the leader of your life, uh, we would love to know about that. Uh, if you would text the word faith to the number below, uh, we would love to celebrate with you and send you some resources that would be helpful. Man, we're so excited for you and what God's doing in your life.